Here we are at another season of Star Trek Voyager, the third one. Clay, how are you? I'm good. I can see the writing on the wall. Janeway is starting to get her hair cut in this episode. I don't, starting, I don't, think, yeah. she, I don't <laughs> think she falls through with it yet, but it's, it's coming. It was, yeah, it's, it's the weird... Uh, the weird season opener where the haircuts haven't happened yet and they realized they had to do it so we're just going to do it naturally in uh in canon in universe the first no maybe it's not the first haircut there's been quite actually quite a few haircuts on star trek i guess mr mott the barber on tng uh i was there's a barber on tng yeah he's that blue fat guy who he, he's in a couple of episodes oh, mr mott I remember that guy uh i was mostly disappointed that this episode didn't just fully embrace a runner of Janeway eating more and more disgusting things while screaming <laughs> at people, you want to disobey me, motherfuckers? <laughs> there was some... Um, there was some, uh, uh, like, A-level, we know nothing about surviving in the wild, but we're going to use what we've learned from television logic yeah. in this. Yeah. Um, for instance, when Chakotay all of a sudden acts like, Paul Atreides, and he's like, "You, if you if you sweat too much, you'll lose your water. So, so make sure to conserve your energy." And then Janeway starts eating bugs, and it's like, "I don't." This is all this is all stuff that people say. This is like Michael Scott territory when Michael Scott gets cut, lost in the woods. Yeah, yeah. They're they're so far removed in this universe to not have anything. It's uh, I guess we can get into that, but yeah, Janeway did not even eating the bugs was such a big letdown. It was like if you're going to lecture these people and say this is an order that you have to eat these things, you have to shove a handful in your mouth and chew them. On, on I know. Table. I was expecting I was expecting her to do that, but she didn't. I just I did really appreciate the order though. <laughs> She's like, and if anybody says no, you tell them to eat the fucking bugs. <laughs> You want some of me, Harry? She seemed, uh, she just seemed angry at them. It didn't seem appropriate to be angry at the crew in that situation. People can eat what they want. Harry found Captain, some eggs. Captain, these look gross. I will fucking kill you, Kim. <laughs> she had cracked that egg open, just guzzled it like she's Rocky in the uh, training for her her boxing match <laughs> or something. This is Basics Part Two, the beta version. It is episode one of the third season of Star Trek Voyager. It came out on the 4th of September, 1996. Where would I have been? I would have just been turning nine. This is two of three, two of two in the basics arc, seven of nine. Wow, look at that. Of uh, hey. the Seska arc. What does that mean? That she, a- she must get referenced in two additional episodes coming forward. Is there is there such thing as Star Trek numerology? Did we just stumble onto something? There might be. We might be hitting the the deepest uh, crevices of knowledge here. This is like you know how when you look at the original folios of Shakespeare's plays, like depending on what letters are capitalized, it reveals a secret right. clue to who who actually wrote them. Yes, and who, yeah, <laughs> it all ties back to the Masons and things like that. It's all it's all mm-hmm. very convoluted. That's the good stuff, baby. It's three of three in Suter's Penance, which is a great sub arc name written by Michael Pillar, which surprises me. I thought Pillar was gone at this point, but I guess I'll have to I'll have to revisit what my history is. Directed by Weinrich Colby in Universe Date five zero zero three two point seven, which is twenty three seventy two, and apparently twenty three seventy seven. Or sorry, seventy three. I guess we crossed the new year in this episode. Interestingly, oh. uh, with the maybe case- they, maybe like all of these other shows where we don't know how much time has passed, they were actually on that planet for a year. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm wondering why why that's known, or is that just a star date calculation? That's funny. I don't know. Whatever. I have no idea. Uh, in basics, part two with the Kazon Nistrum in control of Voyager, the crew must return to basics. Oh, I get it. In order to survive on the harsh world inhabited by alien natives and vicious predators. Meanwhile, Suter and the Doctor assist Paris's attempts to retake Voyager season premiere. Um, well, it wasn't as big of a letdown as I thought from the first one. I thought this one was going to be a much no. worse episode, and I, I thought it was kind of the same. It was pretty much even keeled with the first uh, basic part one, which ended last season. Yeah, my... Um... <clears throat> They they do that thing a little bit though that they tend to do in these shows where sometimes the second half is kind of a little bit narratively removed from the first half. Like we don't really see much of the Kazon or uh, uh, Makushla 
or like yep. what they're up to, you know? Yeah. Like they took the ship and then that's kind of it. We don't really get to see what the next step is for them. Um, no, we, I guess we're just to assume that they're using it to win their war against the rest of the Kazon, yeah. but we don't. I yeah. mean, because you're the, any time that you're most or most of the time you're on the ship, you're spending it with Suter and the Doctor as opposed to right. the Kazon. Yeah. Which does kind of come to my my big takeaway from this is I think there's too much planet stuff and not enough Suter stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's the big takeaway. I didn't even really mind the planet stuff, but it's not it's not great. But it's um, yeah, I I I, I kind of see them both in some ways. The the planet stuff is just a less interesting version of the problem with the suitor stuff, which is that um, I think they're both underbaked a little bit. Like mm. I I think it was I know it was probably based on Duraf's availability last season or maybe something like that because I just think that that character needed more episodes than two episodes. Yeah. Oh well, I I wish they hadn't killed him. I mean, he's such yeah. a fascinating character. I mean, I guess it's kind of I don't know. It's kind of the only way you can it's sort of the way it, the, the story gods kind of tell you it has to end yeah. with, with him as he can't survive this but it's too bad that we didn't get more time with him because he was very very interesting and i wish uh i wish they had given him more to do yeah he's a good performance i i liked him mm. him, him and the doctor are good i you know i i like the idea of what they're doing there which is that he's trying to redeem himself i i do think you needed to see a little bit more of his struggles to be fixed through yeah. a couple episodes that would have made it a little bit more um because i th- there's kind of a lot here in this episode that i think works better on a, a scale where um like in e- even i'm kind of all over the place but even down to the ending right where seska dies and she dies next to her baby and then kala comes in and he takes the baby and leaves mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i was thinking you know, in a modern drama that was like an, if it was like an HBO drama that ended that way, it's like a devastating ending sequence, you know, that's like really sad. And, mm. and there's like a lot of like um, tragedy mixed in there. And like you feel sad about the baby. The problem with the Voyager and Star Trek episodic structure is that it just, you, it just doesn't have the time to develop to where you feel anything when it happens. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. Like I was, I was surprised that uh, Mosh Kala gave a shit that Seska was dead. Yeah, I, I was too, but it, it kind of makes sense in retrospect. I just don't, I don't think you spend enough time with them to really get that from him. Yeah, I mean, I guess they had that relationship where you know you got your 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 friends who are a couple who just constantly argue with each other, and then <laughs> they're just like, no, that's just how we flirt. Like, I guess, I guess it was one of those. It's, where you know his, the, the hardcore is fonder with absence i guess yeah is, is the thing yeah his uh his constant belittling and uh uh insulting of her is just uh how he shows love i suppose yeah yeah i i i feel there was there was just moments like that mixed in and i think Suter is kind of the same thing like if Suter had been a character that we had watched and 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 seen his struggles to deal with his um psychopathy and things like that and there was actually like a really good redemption arc where, you know, I was thinking that a great season arc for him would have been if he was just a, if there was a serial killer on the ship for a couple episodes that you didn't know who it was. Yeah. That would have been great. And then to carry that into the pseudo arc where Tuvok hangs out with him for a little bit and they talk about like what the mind is capable of or whatever, whatever sort of process he goes through. And then at the end, he's, his great sacrifice is he's forced to become a killer again and yeah. then he just dies. It's like, oh, that's kind of neat. That's unusual for Star Trek. I got so excited because they even give you that like John Wick trailer moment mm-hmm. when he's like, you know, doctor, I think I'm going to have to kill some of them. And it was like, let the bodies hit the floor. Let the bodies hit the floor. I was ready for it and it was ultimately kind of disappointing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, his. I, I was hoping for more... Because he does kill that one guy, but you don't see it. He just drags the body back into yeah. sick bay and is like, I, I had to kill him. I loved his reaction afterwards, though. Mm-hmm. Like when he kind of had that bit of a breakdown. Like that was that was really great. Like I, I really, I think it's a credit to Brad Dorf as an actor that as little time as you do get with him, yeah. especially in this episode, I did buy his struggle and conflict with uh, desperately trying to, be a good person and not be a murderer but also having to kill people for yep. the to to save everybody else yeah 
Yeah, it was neat. And they do um they do kill him off and even you know, I, I feel like the ending is rushed too. And that the like the only thing we get I, I like the line from Tuvok. They have the the thing about like can you find peace that your life couldn't in death can you find the peace yeah. that life couldn't provide, which I thought was nice, but it's it's just too quick. Like wrapping up yeah. Seska and Duraf at the end is just too quick. Yeah, that that scene where uh Paris gives like the the quick breakdown of everything that happens. Yeah, the, the crib notes for her to forget. <laughs> he was like, "Yeah, the the doctor did blah blah blah, and then Suter managed to do the thing before they killed him, and then that was just it." Like it Janeway was, pats him on the arm. She's like, "Well, that's that's a hell of a thing that Suter died like that." Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. and I think it's it, it's too bad because I think a character like that deserves a bit more reverence from everybody else, and like if he deserves to be around more. I think, and have more of an effect on everybody. So when he does have this sort of redemptive uh, sacrifice thing, you kind of buy that everybody has their own kind of conflicted feelings about it instead yep. of just sort of a quick uh, wrap up at the end there. But I did, I did like the the um, <clears throat> the uh, the scene with Tuvok at the end where he gives him the. Uh, uh, <laughs> The, the thing the gypsy woman says to Lon Chaney and the Wolfman <laughs> after he gets killed. I was, um, I think because they, it would have been nice, you know, in, in hindsight, there's a lot of stuff that they could have done with the serialized story. Like if, if Tom Paris was gone for a decent amount of time, right? His oh, redemption. Oh, no. That would be, that would stink. His, his, his redemption arc matches suitors where he could come back in this episode after having been away from the ship. Like, he actually legitimately left the ship for a little bit. Sure, sure. And then his coming back matches Suda's redemption there. And you you kind of get, a, like, a, there's a little bit of a dovetailing of stories, but they, they didn't do either of those because of the nature of the show. And it's I, I think that, you know, maybe we talked a little bit about the, the failings of the serialization in season two and the wrap-up, but I think it, maybe it's just a matter of, like... In a show like this, maybe it's kind of what I was talking about at the wrap-up, you, you have to choose your serial storyline a little bit more smartly than what yeah. they end up doing. Like, you have to pick the right things that make sense to be serialized. And the show can't do that with Paris. Like, Paris can't, a main cast member can't leave the ship for an extended period of time across multiple episodes. So it's it's just out as an idea from the start. It's not something you can do. So you shouldn't try anything that would be better if that was the idea, if Paris actually disappeared for a little while, mm. it's so it's so fascinating that they can do that now, though, isn't it? Where yep, it's it like is. the nature of how these contracts work now. You can have someone show up for three ish, three episodes or four episodes or even a whole season, and then the next season they're only in like four episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in the case of Picard season two, you could kill him off in the first episode and then yep. bring him back for the last one as a hologram or yes, something. <laughs> um, the Wire, like the lead character of the show, McNulty, oh, totally, is basically yeah. gone in the fourth season. He just yeah. gets a new job. Yeah, um, yeah. It, it's uh, it is it is a it is um, disappointing that they couldn't do something a little bit more interesting with that stuff. And I I think all that said though, I I don't. I was surprised that Seska died because I was not expecting this to be the wrap up to that story. Mm-hmm. Um, especially, you you say the Kazon don't really come back after this. No, this is pretty much it. Uh, when does when does Chakotay find out it's not his kid? <laughs> yeah, I don't think he ever. <laughs> I think like, he reviews like, the doctor's uh, hollow messages or something to get that. There in. was some there was some interesting stuff in there where I wanted to know more about Seska's feelings about that. Yeah. Because she seemed she seemed very surprised by that and it seems like she was like, What happened? Rat- what what how did- Well, that's what happens when you try to make a baby pulling out goop from someone's neck. <laughs> You get the wrong. It doesn't goop. work. You get the wrong goop. You get confused. <laughs> but did did Kula sw- swab his neck and switch the vial or something? I I think she was actually sleeping with him. Oh, she was actually pregnant the old fashioned way. I think so. I I I only I have to assume so. Well, how can she act so certain about the pregnancy then? In that case, you know, like I, I no idea. I I was I was legitimately. 
I didn't think that she actually believed it, I guess. Until you didn't think this she episode. Actually... Until this episode, I didn't think she actually believed that it was Chicote's baby. I thought she was using that as a ruse. Oh, yes, agreed. I agree, yes. But after this, I don't know I don't know what she was expecting. <laughs> yeah, because Yeah, what was the purpose of the baby? What what exactly was she doing if if that's not the case? Yeah. It was really strange. They they just chose to not not wrap that up and I, I can't imagine that it's actually gonna come back. Maybe that's what the, the two remaining Seska arcs are possibly having to do oh, with the baby. More. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. That that would make the most sense, yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, yeah, it's another storyline that kind of fizzled. I mean, what's your takeaway from Seska as a whole, if not in this episode? Uh, I don't really ultimately know what her deal was, yeah, what she was yeah. about. Um, she was kind of, I think she suffers, I think she suffers from the serialization problem as much as anything else does where it seems like they're like yeah we want to keep doing this but we don't really know what we're doing with it yeah um and you know isn't that isn't that interesting too like if you compare this and the serialization of this to the way that they do this stuff now on something like discovery or picard you would have everything come to a head in this giant sort of overblown finale that like yeah okay they were driving towards this the whole season but it's not particularly interesting i guess but in this it's just uh like i don't i i don't know that i would prefer that to what they did here do you mean crossing prob- season boundaries is that what you're, you're talking about Well, or? just like you know something like this would have on on one of the more modern shows i feel like would end with a much more uh I guess thought out is I I, don't, I, guess, I guess I'm not really sure what I'm trying to say, but there's just something interesting to me about the way that they try to handle this sort of season arc type thing and just sort of like flamed it out versus what they do now, which is kind of overcorrect a bit by going too big a lot of the yeah. times. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It's it's very it's very interesting how. With these with these older shows that have so many episodes, you can kind of watch them figuring out things that do and don't work, and yeah. sometimes they just kind of hit the eject button on stuff. Yeah, they do. I mean, it's um, it's a I like we're obviously not watching this in air date order, right? But I think that the thing that's frustrating, or maybe what you're kind of getting at, is that. Imagine this was a modern TV series that did not wrap up in the finale, but it made you mm. wait three months, and then it gave you the finale, and then it right. proceeded with a new season. You'd be like, well, right. why didn't you just give me the ending last season? Why, yeah, why, I think that's part of it, too, yeah. Why did it cross? Why? Because it's strange to... It's just a weird energy because you come into a new season of TV after a couple months off and you resolve that storyline immediately and it's almost like you haven't been with it for so long. Not not the case in our case because we're, how we're watching this in the streaming era, but back then it would have been... You know, This is no best of both worlds moment where you're like, oh man, I can't wait to see how this reconciles itself in three months. This is right, just yeah. a storyline that's ending uh, uh, in a well, cliffhanger name only. That's That's a good comparison as well because you know you've something like best of both worlds you've just got two episodes right Mm -hmm. and so you've got your big lead-in and then you got your three month or whatever cliffhanger and then you got the resolution and so you don't feel like uh like the resolution happening in one episode doesn't really feel out of place right but a story like this where you are spacing it out and breadcrumbing it through the whole season and you don't wrap it up and then you spend one episode in the next season wrapping it up it feels that much more underwhelming i think <coughs> that's a yeah that, and i think that's a that's something that modern tv has learned which is that the 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 second the third to last and the penultimate episodes are used to tie up your minor stories as you move into the third episode or the final episode in that case yeah like yeah. the um to bring up the wire again, like the the wire's 
penultimate season episodes were usually the action episodes where like a lot of stuff closes out or like the the storylines wrap up and then you Mm -hmm. close everything with the final one um so like the action for lack of a better term is is in that second to last episode this is yeah this is not not that not that done that way that stuff is really fascinating to me too because i feel like i i feel like people are still very um attuned to this sort of model of tv where it's like the last episode is where the shit all the shit happens yeah and a lot of the better tv shows realize that or or tend to use the second to last or third to last episode as sort of the climax yeah and then everything else is sort of falling action which is why i find the the uh finale of breaking bad so interesting Mm mm-hmm because there's a you know there's plenty of people who are like oh, I just hate the end blah blah it's like well no the the ending of that story is when he spoiler alert when he kills Hank like that's yeah. the climax of the story like Goes there's no going back yeah. after that yeah. yeah and then everything else is just you know uh, frosting at that point mm. um, and so if you're looking at it from the from the standpoint of the last episode is the the finale is is the final word. It could be a little bit underwhelming, because um, that's what the 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 model is te- is usually used for. Yeah. Um, but I, I find it I find it to be a little bit more interesting when they kind of uh, uh, space it out a little bit differently, like they like on the wire or uh, in some of the other sh- the shows that do that. Yes, it, it's just more mature. I mean, it's because mm. there's a plan there, and there's no real plan for this kind of storytelling serialized stuff like they have an idea of what it is but it's just it's a lot of as we said before it's just a lot of kick the can down the road until you figure Mm -hmm. out what the hell's going on and the the shows have a very low rate of actually figuring out what's going on before they get to the end of it and then so it feels underwhelming by that point but yeah one one of my favorite episodes of buffy the vampire slayer is the season finale of season four Mm -hmm. um which they wrap up all of the season story stuff in the penultimate episode. Yes. And the final episode is not even really connected to anything that happened before. Like they literally get back to Buffy's house and are like, man, that was crazy. You guys just want to watch a movie or something. And then they just put on a movie and then they fall asleep and each and all have these like weird dreams and stuff. But what they actually use the episode for is to start laying breadcrumbs for everything that's coming in the next season. Right. Which at the time, Watching that episode, not knowing that, feel you, you're kind of going like, "This is the season. What the fuck are they doing? Why right. yeah. this? It feels like they forgot they had another episode to do." <laughs> uh, specifics of this one, uh, we talked about Suter. I suppose I would have mm-hmm. liked to have seen more Suter. I don't know how much. Like, um, maybe we can close out thoughts about him. But uh, the planet stuff was fine for the most part. I guess I thought the planet stuff was hilarious. Like, yeah. It, <laughs> There's, between between the weird uh, Eagle Scout stuff and them finding Hogan's tattered <laughs> Hogan, remains Hogan, and Chakotay's yeah. like, <laughs> Captain, this might sound a little morbid, but I could probably use this to get some water. <laughs> <laughs> that was my favorite. I didn't even understand what, what there there was no way that that seemed even in the realm of possibility. What Chakotay yeah, was talking no about, no idea. <laughs> And then, and then you got Tuvok. They're talking about this. This uh, Archer um, Tuvok is my my favorite. Archer Tuvok. Tuvok. Well, not even just the Archer thing, but you, they they come into this. Uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Primitive primitive people. And Chicote is like, maybe we should talk to them. And Tuvok is like, no, I think we should wipe them out and take their land. <laughs> <laughs> and then I continue to like Tuvok. And then you've got then you've got Chicote. Who's trying to make contact with these people? And in my head, I'm he. I, I'm like he must be thinking I watched my dad do this, so I know how to do it. And then he just totally makes it up on the spot. <laughs> I I was caught. Did I miss where he says he's going to do that? I, I that caught me completely off guard that he would just no, walk he, in there. Yeah, he doesn't. They never say he's going to do it. He just does it. Yeah, it was, and it, and it kind of works. And I he's like, don't look yeah. back, run. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the I, I um. Those those people are strange. Like the, the that alien, that kind of alien race is always a little bit weird. Um, and it does the. I just don't know if someone if if you were to talk to an alien, 
It's the same as talking to someone who doesn't speak your language. Like, right. I don't know if just talking slower it's gets just, your point yeah. across. Right. Yeah. <laughs> they have no idea what you're talking about. Right. Yeah. It's that stuff is always hilarious to me. Like you, I feel like you could, I, I was watching that sequence and I was like, man, Darmok feels a hundred thousand miles away watching Chakotay go, <laughs> I Chakotay, me friend. But he's not even that simple. He's like, I have a proposal for right. you to consider. <laughs> I will take the female characters with me and you can reconvene with your compatriots at another location. They're like, what the fuck are you talking if about? If you'd like to see some paperwork or open litigation <laughs> with the Federation of Planets. Follow me. Yeah, it was. it's just... There wasn't even any hand signals. Like, yeah, Darmok just feels like, you know, the metaphor of Darmok feels like it's in another galaxy compared to this. But I I mean, I guess he got his point across that they wanted the women. That was the, the undercurrent of, of that, I suppose. I'm not even sure. You can keep the weird one. <laughs> we want woman back. Keep Catman. Uh, yeah, that was, I thought that was strange. I, I liked how unathletic all the Starfleet characters look running around in the desert. Uh, as they're sort mm-hmm. of running around, I um, I will say I don't think any Star Trek show has ever done the dra- in, like cave dragon thing before. That felt yeah. New. yeah yeah that was that was interesting. I mean you know the special effects are what they are, but uh, yes they are. Um yeah I, <laughs> I was expecting more of a trick. There's usually a trap with that where they just you lure the yeah. guys and the dragon eats them. That was that was a strange sequence because they were trying to very quietly move around it and then the thing woke up and ate that one guy Chakotay was just like fuck it go the other way and they just ran back towards the entranceway I, I guess because I guess because somehow they must have heard Janeway and Tuvok or something yeah because yeah. all he says is the entrance is clear or something like that and then they all turn around and run away and, and leave poor blue shirt there to get eaten I like they just poked the cave ceiling with sticks and it caused a cave yeah <laughs> yeah yeah the uh I was actually annoyed at the guy who gets eaten by the dragon because he's that dude, like when you're trying to like sneak through somewhere and someone just knocks over like the glass menagerie yes. or something. It's yes. like, Jesus, Dave, can you yeah. pull it together? I did like Tuvok uh, harnessing his inner Legolas to just start <laughs> peppering that thing with homemade arrows that I'm sure did no damage whatsoever. No, that was, that was, uh, there was nothing there. The, Chicote was stabbing at it with a spear, but they didn't even show. They didn't have time to render that CG blood squirting action. But yeah, um, Tuvok's bow and arrow was the least impressive weapon I think uh, possible. Though he did kill that one guy. He got him in the arm at least. Maimed him pretty bad. Tuvok, Tuvok just wants to make more weapons. Well, they're there. That's all that needs to happen. Um, who thought? Who thought the uh, the bloodlust would come out on this planet for Tuvok? I know. It's that primitive world energy going for it. Uh, yeah, I, I thought it was all, um, you know, I honestly, I didn't even realize, like the title basics, I guess, is as this little log line says, returning to basics. It, it's yeah, I, it's similarly underbaked in that I, I feel that th- there is a lot of room to explore, you know, for, for me and you in the modern day, if we were stranded in a place like Tom Hanks and Castaway, like there's a there's a, a big gap between what we would be able to be used to and what we're able to do. For mm-hmm. people in the 24th century, it feels like it is like us going back to like the caveman era. The, the, it right. feels like it, I, I was just I was surprised by I, I was sitting there wondering, like, does Starfleet train them in this stuff at this point? Like, is mm. this is there even really like a like maybe there would be like sort of a, a abandoned on a planet survival courses at Starfleet Academy? It just felt so strange to me. And they were they were like a mix of being competent and not. Like Chakotay couldn't start the fire, sort of. So it's like, are they good at this? Are they are they good at right. surviving on the planet? Yeah. There was that moment where he's like, I can't get this fire to start. And Jane was just like, I think the wood's too dry or something. <laughs> yeah, she's like, what? It must be this alien wood, Chakotay. Yeah, it's, it's it's not your fault and your your failed uh you weren't paying attention to your father. I did I did like that they had it was it was kind of uh um they had a shot of the baby and then they cut over to Chakotay being like, you know what? I just remembered my father taught me a trick. And I was like, are they going to use the baby? <laughs> the blood of baby gets everything. Everything started up. Yeah, hair. It must have stunk horrible at that camp. You can't burn hair like that. Um, 
and the yeah the baby baby is mm, whatever i mean they it, it's and another thing you, you're surprised that like when chakotay's on the planet with that other baby um ensign wildman's baby that he doesn't think of his baby there's no there's no connection there right interestingly yeah, yeah you don't get a scene where chakotay addresses that at all yeah really. or looks at that baby and, and says something also uh ensign wildman would never give up the baby to Chicote. I, I didn't. I didn't buy that scene at all. There's no reason. There's no reason to let him carry the carry the kid. That's that's nonsense. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then ultimately, they just forgot about Chicote and his his baby. We must see the baby. I would assume because that's that's kind of sad. If the well, I don't know if it's sad. The baby's with his dad. I mean, it's sad that the baby was laying next to his dead mother. Um, it's sad for Chicote. Because he's got, I mean, well, obviously it's sad that the mother's dead, mm. I guess, depending on, you know, whose side you're on, I guess. But uh, it's sad for Chakotay that he thinks that now his child is out there on its own. Well, the doctor knows, even... right? The doctor has to tell him. We <clears throat> just might not, we yeah. might not see it. Yeah. Which is. I, yeah, I would have to imagine if there's more Seska related material, it must be related to the child. Is this going to be like there's an episode in season six where this is brought up again and the doctor's like, Chakotay, I completely forgot to tell you about this. But <laughs> Listen, I, I'm sorry. There's a lot going on that day. <laughs> I, um, it, and it continues uh, just more of the, the doctor scenes. I, I like the um, I like the doctor and Suter. I like the messages that he left for Suter. And he's like, yeah, I also left yeah. a message for Janeway to know that you, you died uh, sacrificing yourself. But it's the... Um, you know, it's it's continued criticism of, or it's a continued thing of interest to me that we've talked about before. Is the doctor's um, fear and unfear responses here? Mm. In, in the first part of this two-parter, he is hiding from the Kazon almost as if he's scared from them before he deactivates right. himself. And in this one, right, he's like, yeah. "You're gonna fucking break my bones. You can't, bitch." <laughs> so what are you gonna do about it? He's, he, which is the only way that makes sense. He should be that way constantly. He shouldn't have right. any fear of anything. Yeah, I mean, he has. There's no reason for him to be afraid of anything. No, yeah. no. But I like that. I like that scene. I wish the doctor was yeah. more that way. But they, it, 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 my, the the interesting thing to me is that they more frequently play him as if he's scared of things that are going to happen. Yeah, yeah. It's it's an interesting choice. Because um, I I feel like it's it would almost be more interesting if he was a little bit doing his scheming with less uh, emotional attachment to it. Yeah, I, I mean the, because he still has, he he he's kind of it would be, be kind of an interesting thing to write for because he still has a sort of metaphorical fear of death, which is being deactivated before he can hatch his plan, you know. Mm-hmm. But he's not mm-hmm. scared of threats of violence to right. Him. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's kind of a neat distinction that they could have played with a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, anything else on this one or? Tom Paris and the uh, Talaxians. Yeah. Well, the <laughs> the only thing I was was weird about that was where was the rest of the K- the Kazon fleet? Uh, I don't know. Were they destroyed at some point? Were they? Just I don't know. Flying around because Voyager flew off with a bunch of Kazon ships at the end of the last one. I thought. Um, at least I think there were some Kazon ships left. I don't I remember. I, I just saw the. I remember Voyager leaving the planet. I don't remember if they ran into any Vo- any uh, Kazon ships. You would have thought they would. That would be something. Yeah, I guess. I guess I was just doing the doing the connecting the dots from. Well, there was a bunch of them when they captured Voyager. Mm. So, I, I I guess I assumed there would be more of them afterwards. Yeah, but uh, it, so it was a little bit strange when it was just Tom Paris. In his little uh, transport there. Listen, that off. that ship is fucking defiant levels of warship. Yeah, what that thing can do that little it, shuttlecraft those, can do. Those shuttlecrafts have warp speed, like multiple factors of warp, and yep. has phaser power enough to <laughs> destroy, a, a blow up. Yeah, blow up a case on <laughs> ship. I don't. I don't know if that was a big one or a small one. I couldn't really get. It a was sense huge it. when the scale. When he he basically did the "I'll stop and you'll continue forward" trick yeah. on them. Yeah, and then he it's powerful enough to basically outmaneuver and out uh, outblast Voyager. Voyager. When he needs to. <laughs> and the Talaxians are like, we man, our, we our ships are nothing <laughs> we're, compared we're to shit Voyager. Compared to this guy, look at this shuttle. This that this guy has. 
Yeah, the Tilaxians. The Tilaxians continued uh, from the first part, feeling like a, a half thought out afterthought to this whole yeah. event. I don't, I don't know what that was. Although, um, it's nice to see that they're not all dipshits like Neelix. They're, they're sort of regular people. <laughs> He's just an outsider yeah. in their in their culture. Mm-hmm. Um, although his, uh, I found the Tilaxian commander's shirt on the view screen to be distracting. It looked like he was wearing a button-down shirt. It was <laughs> yeah. really, really, really odd. Um, yeah. Basics part two. I guess that's it. So we go to Patreon thoughts right now. If you guys enjoy the content, you can support the show at patreon.com slash the Penske file. You can leave upcoming thoughts on upcoming episodes, or I guess their current thoughts on upcoming episodes. We'll read them on the show. You also get extra podcasts, et cetera, et cetera. Patreon.com slash the Penske file. The first one, Kyle Barrett. I'll actually click into your little window right now so I can send you these things. Kyle Barrett says, basics part two. So after all that, Chakotay isn't the father and we don't even see him find out. What a waste of time. The planet side action is fairly fun pulp adventure stuff of one obstacle or another. And I like the idea of the Native American character showing that the savage natives can be communicated with. What's happening on the ship is more interesting with Suter being the hero. An arc that's pretty solid, but it would have taken more. What really struck me is how great it would have been if Paris left Voyage for real in investigations instead of it being a trick. Could have gotten a few episodes with him without him. And then from the Talaxian ship, he could have realized what was happening on Voyager and decided to come to the rescue, concluding an arc about him truly finding his worth, belonging, and sense of responsibility on Voyager. Three lame villain deaths out of five. I like that idea. It sounds similar to what I was saying. Although I I, I guess I was thinking I would have seen Paris. It wouldn't have just been you don't see him for a long time. I think you need to see him. Mm. But that's all this way and that. This is point extra G. Basics, part two. While it's fun to see the crew adapting to roughing it on the planet, everything with the natives starts to get a little cliche and predictable. The heart of the story is Suter and the Doctor, with Suter having to directly face his demons, knowing that he may very well lose himself and what he has to do, and the Doctor having to play the role of counselor, a role that's been shown to not be in his comfort zone. Dorif and Picardo are both excellent in their scenes together, and this makes a great compliment to Meld as a closing piece to that arc. On an aside, since they don't have universal translators on the planet, does this mean that Kess and Neelix learned English at some point, as they clearly <laughs> don't know it before encountering Voyager? Great question. He, Chakotay just talked very slowly to them, and they understood yes. literally everything yes. that he said. Yeah. That, that is yeah, a good question. You know, with the Suter stuff, I feel like at the very least there needed to be one more episode or something in the middle. Like yes, I know there's three episodes and I, I don't remember the second episode being super satisfying. If I, what was the second episode for Suter? Yeah. It's just meld where he's introduced and then the two basics, the, these two oh, episodes. Really? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. Definitely then. Yeah. There needs the, like you need, you need a, uh, Three points. Requ- yes. An arc requires three points. He needs his know? middle middle arc. His middle. Yes. Yeah. Third. Yeah. Yeah. There needed to be one more episode in the middle to make this work a little bit better. I think because I, I my thing about the suitor point is that I feel that there's there's a lot of potential, and I feel like I don't know if Voyager is doing this or just the way that Voyager tells its stories. It makes me think that this is happening more frequently than it is. But I feel like there's just a lot of unexplored territory in the stuff that they bring up. And yeah. um, Suter, the thing about Suter is I think the the interesting storyline there is like it's less about him getting better and it's more about how do you forgive someone like him who's been, sure. he's apparently been killing people on the crew. Unfortunately, he killed people that we don't know. So no one has any sort of like feelings about the murders that have been happening Mm -hmm. he just killed a random Mm -hmm. crewman so the the arc that's interesting to me is that Suter does get better but a lot of people if this guy actually existed would have a hard time forgiving him outside of Tuvok right like Tuvok seems like he'd be the one who would understand that this is all forgivable and that they can move on and that he's a better person and he's working on himself and stuff like that but I feel like people like Belana Torres wouldn't forgive Suter and I think that the commentary is on that. It's about forgiveness for what he does and whether or not he can actually be redeemed or if his sacrifice is not truly redemption by the end, but just like the best that he could do for everybody. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like they don't take even a swing at that. 
Yeah, and that's what makes that final scene on the bridge fall so flat. Is mm-hmm. like you just don't get the sense that anybody really cares about yeah. anything, or like his death doesn't mean anything outside of what it accomplished for the for the ship. Right. Um, yeah, I think I think there's one episode in the middle there that need that they should have done that that gets into that stuff you're talking about. I think it would have been a, a I think it would have <clears throat> excuse me. I think it would have potential to be one of the better story arcs and, and make Suter one of the better Star Trek characters, I think, if yeah. they had managed to uh, you know, bullseye that middle story and really make the whole thing work. Yeah, agreed. I like him. He's a good um good story actor combination. Uh Basics Part Two from Clef. A middling resolution to a bind with a foregone conclusion in mind. Monsuit is the best and ignore the rest. At least we finally left the Kazon behind. Three Mori reveals of Chicote, you are not the father out of five. <laughs> Changeling is our next comment. This Discord font, I find the new one so distracting, but here it is. This is Changeling. Basics part two, who would have thought it would be better to be with a depressed terrorist murderer in a crisis than a self-proclaimed survival expert? The stuff main, st- the, the stuff main story with Suter and Doctor is pretty good. I like especially the way the Doctor slips into his condescending season one tone when trying to trick Seska. I hated the planet stuff because you could take it all out and it would have no impact on the episode. It does not affect the retaking of the ship and no character goes through any emotional change, utterly pointless. Pour out three. Pour out three. Five, okay. Pour out three out of five for Hogan. He is calibrating systems with the angels now. I thought with the pour threw me off. I thought it was pour out three fifths for Hogan. Three fifths of what? Uh, yeah, Hogan. I was sad to see Hogan get eaten by a monster. <laughs> it's just, it's annoying to be an actor to come back just for that one scene in your new right. season. Well, just, I was wondering. Up. You know, you said. You said you were surprised Pillar was wrote it. Yes. I was wondering if maybe they shot them back to back or something. Like they just, because like, why would you bring that guy back just for 30 seconds to kill they him They might you know? have. Let me see here. I think I was reading something like that. Uh, this is all reception. This is continuity. This is effects. This is production. Oh. It was not filmed back-to-back with the previous oh, installment. Right. Remarking on this, Jerry Taylor said, it doesn't matter because we have so much time in post-production, we can film the first four episodes of the next season in any order that we want. This episode was one of four that were filmed at the end... Wait. Indeed, this episode is one of the four that were filmed at the end of the second season, yet intended for the third season. So it was. Oh, it was. Okay. Oh, yeah. but they just didn't shoot them back-to-back. So they filmed a bunch at the end, but not these back-to-back with each other. That's my understanding. So they had they have four episodes that they filmed at the end of season two that they air in season three. This and basic part one were part of them, but they did not film them sequentially with each other. Oh, I see. Okay. That makes sense. Sort of. Uh Tax Alabar says basics part two, decent interaction between Suter and the Doctor, but why do they have to kill my boy Hogan? That's two sort of secondary crewmen gone in one episode. That aside, good to see Chakotay succeeding by doing what he thinks is right with Native American spirit magic. He's a powerful man. <laughs> Aaron Million with our next comment. Basics part two. The doctor keeps this episode from being a soap opera with the baby's paternity being an issue. His interactions with Suter are good and his subterfuge with Seska, as is his sub- subterfuge with Seska. Fairly predictable that Suter lives just long enough to help save the ship, Question, why couldn't the giant serpent have eaten Neelix or Harry Kim? Three rear phaser overloads out of five. You know, I, I don't really, I don't know if I would agree that it becoming, it, it, it's on the verge of becoming a soap opera about paternity. Because it's not really, it's just that one scene. And then it never comes up again. The paternity of the Which child. Which scene? The, the doctor and Seska? Yeah, there's just that yeah. one scene where he's like, yeah, it's actually not, not his kid. And she's like, bleh. And yeah. then the, it never comes up and then she's dead. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it's, it's shocking in retrospect that they didn't have a scene on the on this planet where chakotay is like holding the child at night trying to keep it warm or something mm-hmm. and then reflecting on what it means to be a father to yep. him or some shit you yep. know 
thinking about his <clears throat> his child in the hands of such an awful person or whatever. No, they don't care. Whoever, it was, it was, <laughs> whichever writer's going through a divorce, have him write that scene. <laughs> it's um, no, they don't. They don't care, and they don't have anything uh, to say about it. It was really just done as a MacGuffin, right? Like they just it, they yeah. had to have a way to get Jacote back to them or to bring Voyager back to them. <clears throat> I'm not even sure they. Uh, they needed that, really. They could have just had the Kazon run into them. I don't think they needed to have them go back. Patrick Seba says, Seska, not just Chief Blue Steel got under that lid. You got to keep track of with whom what you did. The end was prescribed. Surprise, no baby died. But Chuckles thought hard he's a gifted kid. Two murdered recurring guest stars exceeding the scripts they're given out of five. Is that Hogan? Or Seska, I guess. Maybe Seska. Uh, let me continue on here. Jaron Hatch. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. It's cold. Always long to get rid of. All right, this is Jaron Hatch. Conceptually, the idea of a stranded Starfleet crew struggling to survive on an alien planet is as solid as it gets for Star Trek. In the hands of Voyager, however, it's nothing more than a serviceable two-parter. Aside from Brad Dorff's stellar performance as Suter, the best thing about this episode is that it finally marks the unspectacular end of the Kazon on the show, something that should have happened at least a season ago. Hopefully Prodigy or Strange New Worlds gives this idea a second go, because after 56 years of Star Trek, we tr- deserve a truly great survivalist episode. Three nearby campers wondering what the hell kind of cultists are running around the California <laughs> desert in only pajamas out of five. At first... I thought he was saying that he hopes uh, Prodigy or Strange New Worlds brings back the Kazon. I, I thought case, that was too. That was. The- I was going to say no, thank you. But <laughs> well, we did say you can reboot Voyager. No, I, I also thought the same. Uh, Jonathan J.K. Moore says, Basics Part 2. I just hate how during the transition from Season 2 to Season 3, the showrunners insist on killing characters because they don't belong to them. Not sure what Jerry Taylor brought to the series after removing Seska and Lon Suter from our screens, but not Maj Kulla. Such great characters. Not an episode I revisit. Two out of five. So maybe Taylor is the showrunner at this point. Pillow just wrote the script. Oh, sure. Because I'm pretty sure that uh, Jerry Taylor does become the showrunner at some point very soon. Grapple John Zorn with the next comment. Basics, part two. There have been a lot of undignified red shirt deaths in Star Trek, but ain't nobody in Stovacor letting you... Nobody in Stovacor letting you in when you die on Neelix's say-so. <laughs> if only Akuchi Moya had been there <laughs> to lecture about burial rites, the poor guy might have survived, since Hogan's death could be adequately blamed on the lameness of two main characters. We could call it Kafka-esque, except that everyone knows that Kafka is a better writer than this. A high two. I learned uh, a lot of... Kafka's writings, uh, he didn't even publish and burned and destroyed a lot of those things. I, I, I was just, I stumbled into his history for some reason. He's only well, <clears throat> well known because after his death, one of his friends uh, betrayed him and like sent out his writing to, to everybody. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. So he didn't want any of his stuff published and he told his friend not to, to do that, but his friend did. And that's the reason that we know of him now. Because he's a real writer. <clears throat> that's right. He's only doing it for himself. Right. Yeah, you spend your entire life creating something, and then nobody ever gets to see it, and you throw it into the fire like, and, a, and, and like now someone you, with courage. <laughs> and I know a lot of writers who use subtext, and they're all cowards. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so that's kind of similar to what happened with H.P. Lovecraft a bit. Not the guy, I mean, because he was a published author and stuff, but uh, basically his stuff was going to fall into obscurity. After he died, yeah. But then, uh, basically, one of his friends or you know acquaintances or whatever started a publishing house and and published his stuff in collected editions, which it didn't exist up to that point, and uh, started making him a bit of a more household yep. name. <clears throat> Doesn't um, comes too late for the money, though. Yeah, there's, there's something something upsetting about that. Um, Neelix made uh, Hogan pick up, like, freshly killed bones, which is yeah. funny. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, <laughs> you, want me to, you want me to get all of them? He's like, yep, every single one of them. Like, like it wasn't that weird to me 
until he picked up like the pelvis. Yeah. <laughs> I was okay. That's not something you see every day. That's pretty weird. Why was he doing that? What did he want to do with the bones? Make a soup or something? He, no, he wanted to use them to make uh, tools or weapons. Oh, okay. <laughs> that makes sense. Uh, next comment is Christopher Lavelle. Chicote is my favorite character. But damn, do they give him some stupid lines. Perspiring wastes water. Thank you, Commander. That said, I suppose it's better to be scolded for sweating than to be left alone to collect bones in front of an ominous cave. The Dr. Paris Suter moments carried the episode, but it's tough to feel too worried about the ship or crew when Michelle Barrett wraps up the last season on Voyager intro with, and now the conclusion. Three competent Talaxians retaking Voyager out of five. We appreciate you listening to the coverage of this show after saying Chakotay is your favorite character. <laughs> I know. You're either very deep into Voyager or you've just started watching it. This is uh, Royo with this comment. Uniquely, this was one of the few episodes my family recorded on VHS, so I watched it many times as a little kid. I still have memories of being terrified with the sequences of the cave monster, especially when they have to venture directly into its lair, something to this day I would not want to do even in a video game. Hmm. The idea of the pampered this, Starfleet This monster office, in particular? Or yeah, just, just any- this particular monster. <laughs> okay. Luckily, never had to address it. Yeah. Uh, The idea of the pampered Starfleet officers having to survive in the wilderness with almost no... So basically, like, if he got the ticket from Last Action Hero and it sucked him into his own television while he was watching this episode, then you got to face that fear, baby. But up until now, (laughs) smooth sailing. The idea of the pampered Starfleet officers having to survive in the wilderness with almost no supplies was also interesting to me, and I really liked Chakotay's diplomatic approach of speaking in a non-threatening tone to the aliens, something Picard utterly failed to do with Darmok and Jalad at Tanagra, since he apparently thought he could cure the language barrier with shouting. Oh, no, I disagree. Well, no Stop reading this comment. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it was written under... Total duress and fear of, of descending <laughs> Picard, cave monsters. Picard was making hand motions as he was talking. He was like, you go there, I go here. There was a, there was a little bit more than Chicote. Was it like Was it like Italian mother hand motions that like, <laughs> even though you can't speak the language, they, they feel threatening? <laughs> this guy, this well, guy right here. Well, no best of both worlds and perhaps it's my nostalgia goggles, but I really like this episode because it looked like the Voyager crew were in legitimate danger with Neelix getting crew members killed with his, quote, survival expertise and Suter's sacrifice up in the stakes. It really helps that this episode that they that this episodes that they put Voyager crew out of their comfort zone, especially with Suter having to go on a killing spree four out of five. So I will say um, I actually really did like Chakotay's approach to them where like it, it I, I liked when he got down there and he said even though they can't understand what he's saying he said listen <laughs> listen to the listen to the tone of my voice i mean you no harm or yes, something like that yeah. it's like oh that's cool that that's a good line um yeah you know the problem that i have and this is the starfleet guys on, on doing a survival mission yeah i guess it's cool in theory but it just feels it just feels so hampered by the production values of the show. Yes, it does. like it's very difficult for me to watch all of these characters running around in California and and make it and feel any sort of legitimate uh, stress or um, tension being built around will they or won't they survive in the wild. It just you know it just it doesn't. The, the 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 unfortunately the the production level of the show doesn't make doesn't sell this for me. No, their um their uniforms do a lot of damage to me for some reason when they're in the real world. It just in the yeah. artifice of the ship, their uniforms seem okay when they're put somewhere and they're wearing those uniforms and they're running around. It's like these are clearly costumes. You know, it's weird. It, it yeah. sticks out. Yeah, and especially when they put them in, in I mean, I know that they tried to make it an alien landscape with the volcano and stuff. Yeah, the volcano. <laughs> Never before seen. But like it, it that the costumes work in the context of an alien planet. Mm-hmm. But when you've got those costumes in what is very identifiably like, yeah, yeah, the Pacific Coast yeah, of America, the, the it's not quite as convincing. No, no. Um, 
I thought there was something about Suter here. Uh, uh, <clears throat> oh, um, that's not worth talking about. I, I wasn't crazy about Suter's last stand, really. Um, yeah, I didn't like that either. I just, I, he's he was set up as a serial killer type, like an assassin type, and I, I expected a yeah. little bit more calculating kills than just he goes in with a phaser rifle and just lights everybody up. Right, yeah. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. And then even the way he got killed, it was kind of yeah unfortunate. They showed you the guy in the background, too, interestingly. They show you that Kazon sort of like getting up to get his gun to right. shoot him. That that part was kind of interesting because I was like, okay, the, I, I'd rather they do that and so you can feel a little bit of tension because I was like, oh, maybe he's is he going to turn and, and get him before he gets the shot off or yep. something like that. Yeah. Obviously that doesn't happen, but yeah, I, I wish they had they had done something a little bit more interesting with that scene than just have him run into the to the laser tag room yeah. and just light everybody up. Yeah. yeah. Nick the Rat says final comment. Basics part two. Hey Hogan, you see these bones telling us to leave? Yep. Better just gather them all up by yourself. Thank God Chicote was able to turn Hogan's underwear into a water distillation factory. How dare they kill a yellow and blue shirt without one red shirt dying? After helping the stranded cave person across the lava, why didn't Chicote put them down? They were able to walk. Did carrying them up a slight slope prove to be to prove to the cave people that he was an alpha? Wish the episode was just Tuvok and Suter killing off Kazon the entire episode. Also, why did Chicote do a tender face touch on Seska? What a cuck. Two out of five. <laughs> Yeah, hey, he Suter still had Tuvok. a relationship with her, you know. It was, people are weird. What was their relationship? Can you remind me? I think they, I think they were just hooking up. Or w- was it even that far? It, it went that I far. Think so. Because she, like, they were, they were together. Yeah, because remember he was talking about like he knew her mother or something. I mean, I'm just remembering the bullshit I was making up in the show. But mm. like, remember when they have that scene? Where he's talking to, where he's they they have him prisoner, and he's doing that whole thing where he's like, "Does she still have that mole no, underneath right. her yeah. left nipple?" <laughs> that's right. I remember now. You're correct. So they they definitely had some sort of romantic relationship before she turned on him. That's it. Thanks very much, everybody. Thanks for leaving your thoughts and comments at Patreon.com/slash The Pensky File Clay. On our scale of one to five, what are you going to give the season premiere? Season three premiere of Star Trek Voyager. Um, so I'm going to give it a three. Sure. I think it's a fine episode. I don't think it's a great premiere. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think it actually, well, I kind of think it would probably be a better finale. And for all the reasons I think we were talking about before where it feels weird to wrap this. Like it, 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 it has that finale kind of energy where they kind of go off at the end you know yes all the storylines are resolved all those characters yeah. are gone for the season it does it i wouldn't think it was a great premiere either if i was waiting uh on live tv for it i would agree i think it's also a three i, I thought it was fine it was not it was not much worse than the first one and i thought the first one was fine i gave that one a three as well um this one just seemed competent uh sort of resetting the deck i guess and we'll, we'll, mm. we'll move into season three at this point you know it's weird because I do think the last one was a pretty good finale, like as far as a cliffhanger goes. Mm. But yeah, I don't know if I would say this is a great premiere. Yeah, it's it's weird that they they both of them kind of feel like they would be better finales than anything else. Yeah, yeah. That's it. Thanks everybody. Basics part two is done. We both give it a three. Patreon.com slash the Penske file if you want to go there and support the show. It's much appreciated. Clay, do you have anything you want to say? Uh, badass is back, baby. Uh, and uh, Amanda and I have started our descent into the bowels of the British Film Censorship's Bureau of the <laughs> most dangerous films ever made. <laughs> Speaking of Kafka esque, this <laughs> is this is it. Uh, we are covering video nasties, and uh, we actually have by the time this. As of this recording, we have not started yet, so I can't tell you what the first one is because yes. I don't know. Um, but uh, yeah, we've got some. Uh, there's some Argento stuff in there, and um, some uh, uh, weird stuff like Possession with Sam Neill and uh, Evil Speak, which is a fun movie about 
um, Clint Howard at a military school who uses mm-hmm. a 1983 <laughs> computer to summon the devil. Sure. Um, and uh, classics like I Spit on Your Grave or Last House on the Left or, you know, that kind of stuff. So it's going to be an interesting ride this year, I believe. Yeah. A lot of variety there. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to the variety more than anything else because the past two years... Have not been variety. Yeah. Stephen King was a bit more variety than Friday the 13th, but even sure. so, you watch 12 Stephen King movies in a row, you can really kind of see all of the to- all of the toys he plays with yeah. on display, you yeah. know, in various forms. So I'm, I'm hoping this year is not just 12 months of uh, graphic <laughs> rape. So. That's my favorite an, advent an eyeball, calendar. An eyeball torture or something. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thank you for supporting us at patreon.com slash the Benske file. We're done. See you later.